This is Speaking Well. I'm your host, Greg Dickinson. This is the podcast about communication and everyday life. In each episode, we talk with a communication expert and scholar and explore how communication research can provide resources for navigating complex interactions. We will talk about relationships in politics, social media and film, public speaking and private talk. In this podcast, we'll offer straightforward but often challenging explorations about communication centrality to our lives. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Mira Fa. Dr. Fa is an assistant professor in communication studies at Colorado State University. She studies interpersonal communication and health. One of her specific areas of interest is social support. Considering the complexities of our lives right now, the coronavirus and COVID-19, economic fallout from the virus and the disease, racist violence by police and others, and the protests against this violence, we thought it could be useful to talk about social support with an expert. Dr. Fa, it's great to have you here with us today. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with us. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Colorado State University? Absolutely. So I'm an assistant professor here in the Communication Studies Department at CSU, and my area of expertise is in interpersonal communication and health. So what that means is that I spend my time researching, teaching, and connecting with students on how we build relationships and what it is about those relationships that affects our health and well-being overall. Great. That sounds so important, especially in the complex world we live in today. I'm supposing that social support is an important part of how we communicate with each other that supports our health. I know that I'm often looking for people to help me get through the day and and feel a little better. So can you tell me a little bit about what what you mean about social support? Yeah, absolutely. And so when I uh, define social support or when I talk to students about what social support is, I usually define it in saying that social support is all of the things that we do for one another to come alongside one another and to sort of let each other know that we're cared for and that we belong in times of stress. And that can be in times of good stress or in times of bad stress. Mm -hmm. So we usually think about social support in terms of those times of bad stress. So you just lost a job and you need someone to let you know that things are gonna be okay. But we also need support in times of good stress. So you're planning a wedding and that's awesome and you're excited, but it's also very stressful. And so social support is all of those things that we do to try and connect with one another and let each other know that we're not alone and that we're sort of gonna walk with each other through these life experiences that we have. I really like that image of being beside somebody or walking alongside somebody. Can you tell me a little bit about what are the specific communicative behaviors that we do to demonstrate to somebody else that I'm beside you, I'm with you? Absolutely, and so when it comes to thinking about social support, uh, we can think about the verbal aspects of support as well as the nonverbal aspects. Hmm. And so when it comes to the verbal aspects, there are certain words that we can use or there's language that we can use. And the research on this is pretty clear that when it comes to providing good verbal support, we need to focus on providing messages that are high in something called person-centeredness. And it's kind of exactly what it sounds like. It's putting the other person at the center of our attention, of our focus, and of our efforts to try and support them. And so we do that by legitimizing the other person's experience, letting them know that 
their feelings are valid and that it's okay that they're upset or it's okay that they're stressed. Mm -hmm. We acknowledge what they're going through and then we help them sort of contextualize that. So we help put that into perspective in the bigger, broader things of the world. And the more we can do that, sort of the better those supportive interactions tend to be. When it comes to the nonverbal aspects of support, there are all of these behaviors that are called nonverbal immediacy or nonverbal immediate behaviors. And so these include things like giving someone a hug. I mean, maybe in pre-COVID times, we did that a little bit more than we do now. Uh But giving someone a hug or patting them on the back, even tangible actions like handing someone a Kleenex when they're crying, those are really supportive behaviors. And so there isn't any one rule on how we should nonverbally communicate support, but the general consensus is that our nonverbal behaviors matter and we wanna be using things like eye contact, uh, proximity as appropriate, so being closer to the other person, positioning our body towards them, and letting them know that we're really listening, and again, that they are sort of at the center of our attention, emphasizing that person-centeredness part of providing support. That's really great. I can, I can imagine um, having some of those behaviors come at me at, at times of stress and, and feeling better about about how I'm gonna make it through the day, even, even if it doesn't um, resolve the problem. Can you, um, you, you said that, that the research is pretty clear on this. I, w- I would love to hear a little more like an example of a piece of research that shows kind of the connection between a behavior and feeling social support and maybe even if possible, a kind of a more a broader sense of well-being or health, yeah. healthiness. Yeah, well, I've actually done some of that research. So um, I'll tell you about an example from my own sort of research history. So I did a study a couple of years ago where I, um, you know, spent some time with uh, parents of severely disabled children and had them engage in a 10-minute supportive conversation with somebody that they considered a support partner. So it could have been their spouse. Um, For some, it was a friend or a parent or an adult child. And I had them have a 10-minute supportive conversation with each other. And before and after that conversation, I actually collected saliva samples from them to try and see how they were experiencing stress and what that conversation did to their stress levels. And using that idea of verbal person-centeredness, what we just talked about with verbal support, I found in my research that the people who received the most supportive messages, the messages where their support partners were really legitimizing their experience and really helping them to explore their feelings, those people had significantly lower stress levels at the end of that 10-minute conversation. And that wasn't the same for people who received support that was not very good or even really bad support. Support where the other person was like, well, you shouldn't be upset about this or blaming them for their circumstance. Those people, as you can imagine, did not have reductions in their stress levels. And in fact, there's been other research sort of along with mine that has shown that that actually can make our stress levels worse. So that's just one example of how doing these things and doing them well in particular can really bolster the health and well-being of other people as well as for ourselves. So remarkable how our verbal communication intersects with how our body's actually functioning, the production of hormones and and, yeah. and other kinds of things. What what a what a great example. So um, I'm thinking about our current moment, COVID and um, racism and Black Lives Matter, the economic destruction that many of us have experienced either personally or work work close to. And I'm wondering if there are um, differences in the ways in which we show support that that are culturally based or that are that are responsive to particular concerns or even might have um, differences based on the modality we communicate with. Yeah. And so there's a lot that's happening right now. And the reality is, is for both. Let's just take the two sort of main contexts you mentioned, right? The COVID-19 context 
and then sort of racism and police brutality and Black Lives Matter. When we think about both of those contexts, those are really big issues. They're affecting virtually every aspect of our lives. Yes. And so the research on social support would say that, well, we probably need lots of different types of support to sort of help us deal with those challenges. Particularly with the COVID-19 pandemic, I think one of the things that's really resonating with us all and certainly resonated with us earlier in the pandemic was social distancing. And the fact that you know we couldn't hang out with our friends, our family, people we really cared about in the way that we could. And so in this moment of deep uncertainty, we found ourselves um, being maybe more socially isolated than we really ever have been in the past. And so the research on social support would say emotional support, actually making a connection with other people, and again, attending to that stress, attending to that uncertainty is really important. When it comes to the Black Lives Matters protest, I think one of the things that we're consistently hearing from activists and from those who are leading the charge is, um, yeah, they're upset, yeah, they're stressed, um, emotional support can be helpful, but what they really want from people is tangible support. They want action, right? They want people to be at protests. They want people to be donating to causes that support justice, you know, including things like bail funds for people who are arrested protesting. Um, and I think that's something we hear pretty consistently again from those social movement leaders who are saying, uh, we're done, you know, having our feelings attended to. Again, not that their feelings don't matter, they absolutely do. They want to see action. And so I think those are just two small ways where we see these differences, right? At the same sort of moment in time, different types of support may feel more appropriate or may be more necessary for people. And again, I, I do want to recognize those are both really complicated social issues. And it's likely that there are people who are, you know, participating in Black Lives Matter who still want, you know, emotional support, who still want um, esteem support, right? To be reminded that they're a valuable person. But I do think we're hearing and seeing some of these differences in sort of the way people are talking about these huge national issues and what the response should be from the broader public. I'm struck as you speak about how different, say, um, uh, joining the march is from saying, I, I see and, and feel your emotions. And yet, going back to the very beginning of our conversation, they're both ways of being beside somebody, yeah. of walking alongside somebody. And maybe that's that's a key piece here. Uh, on that, I'm wondering if you could offer us, after uh, this conversation, one or two or three kind of key takeaways. If if somebody could listen to this and say, okay, what what's one or two things that I might be able to tweak or tune up in the ways in which I talk to people or the ways in which I listen to people, what what would that takeaway be? What would that life hack be? So I think probably the biggest social support life hack is to remember that idea of person-centeredness and to center who the other person or the other people that you're trying to support are in your efforts to provide support. If you go into an interaction with other people assuming you know what they want, mm or assuming you know what's best with them, there's just a greater probability that you will get something wrong. And it's not because you're a bad person or it's not because you're not trying hard, you are. It's just we need to pay attention to the other person. And so again, if you know somebody who's been personally affected you know, by the things that are happening with Black Lives Matter, um, you know, don't listen to this podcast and say, well, Dr. Foss said I should give them tangible support. No, pay attention to who that person is and pay attention to their sort of individual needs. That's the real takeaway here is making sure that you are keeping the other person sort of front and center in your actions and behavior and in what you're doing. And I think the other part of that too is for our own supportive needs, right? So we've just been talking about, okay, how do you provide support? But of course there's a big piece of this puzzle, which is, well, how do you get the support that you need? I think another thing that's really important for people to take away is it's okay to ask for help. And that can be asking for help in terms of, 
I just really need somebody to listen to me while I have a conversation. It can be help in terms of saying, I you know, need a ride to go to this protest because it's really important to me. And be aware that you know other people um, are often trying their best and they want to help, they want to support, particularly those people who know you and care about you. And in order to do that well, sometimes you just have to let them know what you need. Um, none of us are mind readers, so it would be great if we could do that. And so being vulnerable and being open and honest about your own needs is a really important thing you can do for yourself in terms of marshalling the support that you need. Yeah, the, 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 one of the last words you said there was one that I was thinking about near, near the end of this conversation, that notion of vulnerability, being vulnerable to, to another to say, um, gosh, I, I want to hear from you what you really need, and I'll see if I can provide that, but then also being willing to, to share to share your own needs. Dr. Fraud, it's been a really wonderful conversation. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Yeah, thanks for having me. Speaking Well is a production of the Department of Communication Studies. Carol Bush is the producer and engineer. I'm your host, Greg Dickinson. Until next time, speak well.